0: To the No Relation Podcast here today with the two Williamsons. I got Bill Williamson on here. Bill, what's going on, boss? Hey, how's it going, Alex? Good, good. And we have Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic. What's shaking? <laughs> of course. And I am Alex Clojé, FanRack Sports. I'm going to be the moderator today because, guys, we've heard all the draft buzz for months now, and we're finally two days away from the showcase in Philly on Thursday, April 27th. So today, we're going to do our own little mock draft today. You guys are going to be the FAW GMs and, and make your picks. Uh, so we're going to do our own mock draft today on the No Relation Podcast. It's going to be fun. Uh, you guys are going to get some, some real good insight on, on why you're picking players X and Y. And We're going to have some fun with it. So, uh, Matt, we're going to start with you. You are officially on the clock here. The Cleveland Browns, they own the number one selection. There's obviously been some buzz leading up to it, maybe... We have a few guys narrowed down as to who they're going to pick between. You know, the incumbent Miles Garrett. Maybe it's Mitchell Trubisky. But you have the number one pick. Who are you going with? You could start it off.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to waste any time. I mean, Miles Garrett to me is a generational player. Clearly, the best player in what is a very good draft class. I'm not forcing a quarterback, and I'm not. And personally, I'm not big on this quarterback class to begin with. I think this is a very, very easy selection, and I'll be highly critical of the Browns if they do anything different.
0: Yeah, you're talking about a guy who had 31 sacks over only three seasons. Some have knocked his laziness. The latest we've heard was Warren Sapp say that Garrett was a flat-out lazy player. He, He took plays off, but obviously that doesn't bother you, Matt.
1: No, and I also think that's overblown, not to mention he was playing with injury a lot last year. And to be very frank, I don't fault a guy that knows he's going to be a very high pick for protecting himself a little bit, you know, at certain times throughout his last season at school.
0: Right. And I think, uh, you know, Todd McShay said it best. He's a college kid. You know, he's only, he's only in his 20s. He knows he's going to make millions of dollars at the next level. So, you know, obviously there, there's reason to believe uh, that that's not necessarily a huge knock uh, coming to the next level. So you have Miles Garrett out of Texas A&M, a highly touted edge guy uh, to the Cleveland Browns at number one. And Bill at number two, we have the struggling San Francisco 49ers out of the Bay Area. They have first-year head coach Kyle Shanahan at the helm. Uh, what are they going to do with pick number two? The floor is yours.
2: Well, you know, um, before we get into this, you know, I I think me and Matt are going to be coming to uh, to this draft from our own areas of expertise. Matt, you know, Matt's a scout. I'm a reporter. Matt, you're pretty much picking who you think, if you're the GM of these teams, correct? Mostly, without being
1: too unrealistic, yes. Right, right.
2: And I'm coming from the same way, but through who I think the current GMs of these teams are going to take. With some, you know, with some leeway as well. So that's kind of what we're thinking. You know, I can screw this back up right now at number two. I mean, they Forty could go four or five different ways, including a trade. Um, but I'm going to go with Solomon Thomas of Stanford. I don't know if it's the greatest pick, but I don't know if there's a better pick either. And I think that's where the Forty are going to go. John Winch, a Stanford guy, is going to go with the Stanford guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Talking about Solomon Thomas, real good athlete, and I think the reason that he's been so highly touted and a guy that really has climbed out draft boards is because he could play in a litany of schemes. I mean, he could he could play in a ton of different blueprints out uh, in defensive schemes. And, you know, you talk about a leading tackler for Stanford last season with 62, and he played most of his time on the interior, so I think that speaks volumes. And let's face it, guys, the 49ers, they're a team, obviously picking number two. They have a lot of areas to address. They don't need to reach for a quarterback. They don't need to... You know, necessarily uh, give Kyle Shanahan a, a project right away. So you're going Solomon Thomas at number two. Um, what, what's your lowdown on Thomas here, uh, Bill? With with maybe people who don't necessarily know too much about him. Obviously, you know he's a cog at Stanford, but having him at number two, you don't think that's a reach?
2: No, I, you know, I mean Stanford guys was kind of kind of safe. He was a big playmaker. He took over that thumb bowl, the thumb bowl, which. Christian McCaffrey decided not to play in Solomon Torres played and really put himself on the national map really terrorizing Mitchell uh, Trubisky the quarterback of North Carolina all game long and that really kind of set off draft season for him and he's just been kind of aces ever since And, 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 and people I think the word safe is is kind of a word that's used with him a lot.
0: Yeah, polished, like I said, versatile, can play in a ton of schemes, and I think that you he said he's a safe pick. You know what you're going to get with him. Uh, so you have Solomon Thomas going number two to the 49ers uh, that leaves Chicago Bears on the clock here at number three. And, Matt, your pick.
1: Yeah, I'm ready to make the pick, but I just want to say a couple things real quick. I don't envy the Niners for where they're at, and I think that they should do everything possible to trade out of that pick. There it really isn't an obvious one. I, too, would have went with Solomon Thomas. They're going to a, a Seahawks-like defense now, and I think he's their Michael Bennett. So, uh, you know, when in doubt, I always take a defensive lineman. Um, one thing you'll notice with my picks going forward is I'm real happy hitting, you know, a leadoff double, I call it. You know, that uh, we don't always have to swing for the fences on these picks. That, you know, in the first round, if I hit doubles every year, my team's going to be really hard to beat. And with the Bears at three, I'm going Jamal Adams uh, without a lot of hesitation, to be honest with you. I think he's an excellent player. Then you've got guys like Adrian Amos, they become your second safety, and all of a sudden Adams is the, the big playmaker in that secondary that they really need. They still could use a corner, um, but I think Adams is a very safe prospect with also a high ceiling. Really happy to get him a three.
0: Yeah, this this defensive uh, backfield and the secondary, especially cornerbacks, is ex- exceptionally deep in this class. and. Adams may be the the cream of the crop in this year's draft. I mean, you're talking about a three-year starter at LSU. He's got the size at 6'1", 215. And you're talking about a hard hitter coming out of the secondary, a guy that really plays down the field. Um, One thing that really flew under the radar with me and why I love Jamal Adams to the Bears, not only on fit, but they're going to get leadership right away. Uh, One one LSU scout said that this was probably the, the most leadership they've seen Uh, you know, in in the past decade with Jamal Adams. So uh, you're going to get a guy that can make an impact right away, maybe on day one and and also in the locker room too as well. So um, the Bears, you know, like the plethora of teams up in the the top of the draft, have a ton of needs, but uh, going Jamal Adams seems like a safe pick here. Let's go to uh, number four. got the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on the clock here. And Bill, your pick. Is it in?
2: <laughs> Once again, I, I I feel a little tenuous about my choice. Um, you know, a lot of people are thinking that it may be for net for Jacksonville. I, I still think there's better value, and, and, and this is it. So I'm going with Jonathan Allen, a defensive tackle from Alabama. I think if, if Solomon Torres is there, they would Thomas. If Solomon Thomas is there, they take him. But he's not in this mock. They're going to take Allen. They're going to get another really good defensive player. And and, and this defense, if you look at the the, the talent that is compiled in recent years in the draft, at some point this Jacksonville defense could be really, really good. And uh, I just don't think you pass on a guy like Allen.
0: Yeah, Jacksonville's got the pieces for sure. It's going to be all about arranging them and aligning them and, and really just kind of meshing. Uh, the unit into one. you got a guy in Allen who finished his career in Tuscaloosa, number two in sacks. He's going to be able to play the three, six, and nine techniques at the next level. An inside-out threat as well. Um, Jonathan Allen's been hanging around in that that tier in the draft uh, because of the multiple shoulder surgeries, but... Does either of you guys think that you know the baggage that comes with some of these players, with the surgeries and you know whatever happened in college, really plays a factor in you
2: know teams wanting to or not wanting to take them? I mean, we see it. We've seen it in recent years. Certainly, uh, you know Jalen Smith to an extreme last year. Miles, uh, uh, Miles Jack, who went who went to the Jaguars, you know, to an extreme last year. There's guys like Hooker this year. There's guys like Allen. There's always guys that are going to be, you know, over scrutinized. And there's certainly some things going on off the field um, that guys are being scrutinized as well. We'll talk about that later uh, in this mock draft, I'm sure. Um, but you know, I, I think Allen's
1: going to be okay there. Any thoughts on that, Matt? Um, I mean, really, to be very honest, uh, I, the hardest question I'm ever asked in my job is is anything medical because I don't know the player I didn't go to med school you know I mean even the best of coaches that are know the players really well are the ones that defer to the team doctor so if you know your team doctor got your hands on these guys if he would come back to you and say hey I'm worried about this long-term durability or he's got a loose knee that I don't think is going to hold up well then that affects his draft talk a great deal and when all of us are watching the draft and there's inevitably five guys that fall way more than any of us expected the majority of the time, it's medical. I mean, and if not, it's sometimes it's just bad luck. Often, I mean, sometimes it's also character things. But we hear more about the character things than we do the medical. Um, but in this particular case, no. I mean, I got no qualms with you taking him here. His tape is unbelievable. Really, the negative is really bad combine, which doesn't show up on tape. But some of the stat geeks, some of the spark people, uh, aren't aren't high on Allen because he didn't test well.
0: Right. Well, hey, glad we got the, uh, the injury history out of the way. We'll probably see that as a theme once Thursday rolls around and into the draft and, and the medical issues. But nonetheless, we have the Tennessee Titans who are, in my opinion, in a really good draft spot. They got the number five and number 18 picks. Can go a number of different ways here. Uh, but with number five, Matt, the Tennessee Titans.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm in charge of the Titans, I really want to e- exit this draft with a number one type – corner and a number one type wide receiver. They're clearly my top goals. I think Corey Davis is really the only number one type receiver in this draft. But it's a little early for me. So I'm going to go the corner route with Marshawn Lattimore. I have some questions about him. I mean, this is a little early, but I also think he's potentially a true number one corner with, you know, uh, press man cover skills, and that would go a long way with this defense.
0: Yeah, and it also stems back to Allen. We're talking about a guy who um, had a, has a lingering hamstring issue. It's something that is kind of left in the back of the minds. Uh, but you know, you watch any NFL live show, any ESPN show. Lattimore's right there uh, as the, as the number one cornerback. Last season, picked off four passes. And you want to talk about one of the best secondaries in the nation. Uh, last season in Ohio State, and even they tagged themselves as BIA for best in America for what they did last season with the Buckeyes. So Marshawn Lattimore goes number five to to Tennessee. A guy. That I think could play day one and really is one of the best athletes in the draft. Um, he's he's seen as a ceiling guy at number two to the 49ers, and you know the floor probably ends at number eight or number nine. That's how good he is. So you get an Ohio State cornerback in Tennessee, and that's going to leave uh, Bill here with number six, the New York Jets, <laughs> and maybe the one of the most un, insufferable fan bases. And if they screw this pick up, they're going <laughs> they're gonna hear about it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, all the way from Philly. Yeah, you know what? We're going to go offense first time in this mock draft of me and Matt. Uh, number six of the five defensive players in an unreal defensive draft. And this is definitely more what I think they're going to do than what I would do. But I think the Jets are going to take Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback at North Carolina. Um, you know, they, they need a quarterback. Six isn't one. Six isn't two. Um These guys want to keep their job. they they, getting a quarterback in New York is a good way of doing it. The thing I don't know is is do the Jets, you know, all these quarterbacks, Mahomes and Watson and Kaiser and Trubisky, there are different ice cream flavors to these teams. Is Mitchell Trubisky the flavor of the Jets? I think maybe because he's pro style and if you pulled all the 32 teams, that he's probably the one that grades out the highest. So that's my pick for the Jets.
0: Trubisky, to me, is the most interesting case study when it comes to the NFL draft because you look at his resume, and Larry Fedora, head coach for North Carolina, had him second on the depth chart behind Marquise Williams in 2014 and 2015. And frankly, I didn't think Marquise Williams was that good of a quarterback despite him being the quote-unquote dual-threat guy that can move outside the pocket. So Trubisky only has 13 games started under his belt He trickled the number one right after the season was over with because he, you know, quote-unquote, fit the mold of the NFL. He had the size. He had the arm. Since trickled back, he's kind of back in discussion once Thursday rolls around. So we'll see how that goes. We know about New York and the quarterback carousel that they went through last season. Um, So do you think, Bill, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think that picking a quarterback at number six, Trubisky to the Jets, is a panic move? uh to what happened last season, when you look at Fitzpatrick's woes, and obviously Geno Smith is now out. They went through Bryce Petty. They have Hackenberg. What I mean is this: is this the perfect fit, Trubisky, to the Jets? It's a team that he visited a week ago as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a perfect fit for any of the quarterbacks this year. And is it a panic move? Yeah, probably. But sometimes you got to panic if you, you know, need a quarterback, and the Jets certainly need a quarterback. So. Um, yeah, it's a panic move,
0: but it's also a move that I think people could understand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely justifiable for the New York Jets to go quarterback, especially if Trubisky falls to six. There have been talks that he could go number one to the Cleveland Browns, um, even with Miles Garrett on the board as well. So. First quarterback and first offensive player is off of the board at number six, and number seven is the L.A. Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers. The L.A. Chargers, and in my opinion, the team that has the best jerseys in the NFL with the powder blues, that doesn't really matter to the draft, but number number seven, Chargers. Matt Williamson, who we got?
1: Yeah, I've said this quite a few times, that there's a great fit for the Chargers early in the draft, and in this case I'm lucky he's there. But if Malik Hooker wasn't there, I don't know what I would do for the Chargers. You know, like to me, they're going to, you know, they're going to play a Seahawks like defense as well, and Hooker's ideal to be that Earl Thomas, you know, and I've written articles comparing him to Ed Reed. I know that's, you know, that's crazy and I'm not big on Hall of Fame type comparisons, but he has that type of range and true center field ability that's just rare. So, the Chargers run this one up to the podium. They're thrilled he's there. If he isn't, I think you're in a little bit of a bind if you're the Chargers.
0: Okay. Yeah, and maybe you can attest to this too, Matt. Um, the general public might not be too up in arms or raving about defensive uh, prospects in this draft or have a lot of fun watching them, but to me, Malik Hooker <laughs> is a guy that I could watch tape on 24-7 just the way that he covers uh, the field and just his athletic ability. Um, his tackling may be an issue, but you want to talk about a guy that can change uh, possessions on a dime, uh, I think you get that. And perhaps he's a guy that could maybe had seen his draft stock rise had it not been for Lattimore or a guy like Gary and Conley in the same defensive backfield. So I think this is a perfect fit for the Chargers, going safety in, uh, in round one, uh, getting Malik Hooker, another Ohio State defensive back. There's going to be a plethora of them in this year's draft, so... Malik Hooker goes seven to L.A., and like you said, probably thrilled to have him there, um, which leads us to number eight. The Carolina Panthers will be on the clock, a team that two years ago was in the Super Bowl. They fall out. They bottom out, and they're going to need some help here to turn things around. So at number eight, Carolina gets who, Bill? Well,
2: you know, um, this draft, all Matt picks on the odds, depending what I would have taken on the odds, and as Matt said, that, self it for the
0: point. Eight you know—Bill, your bottom went out a little bit here. <laughs> I don't know if it's the—if it's your phone or mic problem, or if you just need to talk louder. But uh, you know,
2: the the, the, the uh, Panthers are definitely as thrilled as the Chargers were. Uh, With this pick, it's fallen right to them, and I think it's Leonard Fournette, uh, the LSU running back. Terrific fit. Better fit than McCaffrey, I think. Um, Really helped the offense take pressure off Cam Newton, and uh, you know if they can get some blocking, the Panthers could be in in real business again, and I think a tremendous value at number eight, Leonard Fournette.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on the the important part here, and the pivotal part is that Fournette's probably – perfect fit for the Carolina Panthers if they're looking to go running back in round one. You wanna talk about, you know, maybe a year ago Fournette could have been the consensus number one pick, but you look at the ankle injuries and what happened last season kinda of, in now some analysts don't have him as their number one or two running back. When you talk about McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook, but you wanna you're gonna get a physical guy in the backfield with Cam Newton. It seems like it's the perfect complement. You got big receivers in Calvin Benjamin and Greg Olson. That's just that. That's a physical offense, and that's an offense that's going to put a lot of pressure uh, on defenses in the NFC South. Uh, so there's our first running back off the board. It's Leonard Fournette out of LSU, uh, a man amongst boys, and one of the most fun tailbacks to watch in the country over his tenure in Baton Rouge. So two offensive players. You got Trubisky. You have Fournette gone, and that leads us to pick number nine. And that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Matt, your pick.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's an obvious one here. I think O.J Howard's the best player on the board, also very safe. Um, sort of tempted with Corey Davis, a player I'm very high on to compliment AJ Green. I wish there was an offensive lineman of any way, shape or form, um, but there isn't. And so and we know the Bengals will you know take a, a risk here and there on character. I go for Reuben Foster. You know, their uh, their linebackers need leadership. They need speed. Um, I think a defensive end could factor in here too. But I think Foster is an unbelievably good football player.
0: Yeah, teams whoever picks up Reuben Foster, should he go round one, was what everybody's thinking here. Obviously, we don't think that the off the field issues are going to hamper him that much, but. I think Reuben Foster trickling down, the team's going to be lucky to grab him uh, at the position that they're at. And you want to talk about one of the most talented, if not the most talented, linebacker to come out of Alabama in the Nick Saban era. Um, obviously, there's baggage there with the off-field activity uh, being dismissed from the combine. He won't be invited to the draft. But the Bengals, a team that need defense. I mean, they're only a few years removed from having one of the most vaunted units in the NFL, have since trickled back a little bit. And you're going to need that against the Steelers and, and teams like that. Uh, in the AFC. So I think that's a a perfect fit for Ruben Foster as well. 188 tackles over his last two seasons. Um, Teams, if they can get over the the history, then I think you're going to have a player that can play right away. Uh, So that'll finish up the Bengals at round one. We're going to get into the Bills at number 10. And you got some coaching turnover there out east. No more Rex Ryan. (laughs) One of the most fun characters, in my opinion, in the NFL. But nonetheless... Bill's pick at 10, Bill, and Bill at Bill with the Bills at number 10. Who do you have,
2: Bill? Well, again, you know, Matt's picks are all of his odds is what I've had, so it's falling down my draft board perfectly. <laughs> and, um, again, this may not be a pick that I would take, but I think the Bills may take, and I, I think they're going to take another Clemson receiver and Mike Williams and him with Sammy Watkins and Hope Watkins get healthy and, and – Hope you know Taylor can get the ball to them and, and give them some spark to of the
0: offense. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a pass offense that could that could use another receiver. When you talk about the injuries they had last season, Watkins is still working his way back. Robert Woods is obviously gone. Uh, a team that really could use a well-rounded receiver, and those are two real good ones. If you can get Watkins healthy with uh, with Williams and. Sammy Watkins and we talked about Mike Williams. What happened in 2015? Essentially missed the entire year after suffering that season-ending neck injury in Week One. But seeing Mike Williams in person, tall receiver, well-rounded, can run, can go up and pinpoint the ball. I think he adds a spark right away to an offense that that absolutely needs it. And it doesn't hurt to have two guys that went to the same college, um, good rapport or not. Uh, so Mike Williams is the first receiver to go off of the board. Um, there are interchangeable wide receivers. You, there's John Ross. There's Corey Davis. Those are what's projected to be the top three receivers and all could potentially go in the first round if things play out well. Um, Bill, I have a question. What do you see in Mike Williams that makes you trump him over Corey Davis?
2: Well, again, see, I, of course might be my pick, but I, I think the Bills are going to go with the bigger guy, the guy from the bigger school, and just, you know, just might take a little flash and maybe perceived safer pick. I know Matt's not a huge Mike Williams fan, um, but Matt's not making this pick. Neither am I, but I, that's where I see him falling to
0: the, to the Bills. So this is more about perception than anything, really.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect. So that's Bills, number 10. They get Mike Williams, Clemson wide receiver, had a big year last year, came up clutch last season during the national title game. Um, And really what he did last season when you talk about a Clemson offense that featured five or six or seven wide receivers that that needed touches, he still made waves last season and really bounced back after missing the entire season in 2015. He's the first wide receiver gone. At number 11, we have the New Orleans Saints. They have two first-round picks. They just signed Adrian Peterson. That could perhaps shake up how they look at what they want to do with pick number 11. Uh, Matt, what are they going to do at number 11?
1: Yeah, there's some intrigue. I mean, like I said, I think O.J. Howard's the best guy out there. I'm really high on Corey Davis. The Saints have an extra pick. It wouldn't shock me that, um, on, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be all defense all the time, and I think it mostly will, but it wouldn't shock me if they get one new toy, you know, of, uh, Evan Ingram or whomever, you know, but I-, I don't go that direction here. I went with Derek Barnett, uh, again, basically a. A double off the wall, you know. I mean, he's a highly productive pass rusher. We absolutely know that is what is needed here in a big way. And you look at this defensive line now with Barnett, Jordan, Fairley, and Rankins—a player I like a lot. It's almost decent, you know. I mean, like that's not so bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. The Saints have had a <laughs> have had a revolving door on the defense trying to stop opponents. It seems like for the past half decade, and have, have really struggled in that area. And I think the addition of Derek Barnett really gives them something to work with, and this is a guy that may have gotten lost in the shuffle last season, especially being in the SEC with Miles Garrett. But nonetheless, the sack holder at Tennessee, and when you're even in the same tier, even drawing comparisons with Miles Garrett, you're probably in a decent company there. So um, he averaged 7, 17.3 tackles per loss and. It, it got to the point where teams were basically running away from Barnett. I mean, it, it, was, it was making the offensive game plan easy because they were just avoiding his side. Uh, so that's how disruptive of a force he is. Uh, he's one of those edge guys, you know, one of those terms that's really been uh, frequent here in the, in, the, in the 2017 NFL draft. But Derek Barnett, real high motor, as some of the, uh, some of the analysts like to use. Uh, great player, just finished up a great career at Tennessee for the Volunteers and Butch Jones, despite you know, the lack of rhythm there. But the Saints, they get their number one pick off of the board. They pick again later, and that leaves us to another team that has two picks in the first round, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And they went Miles Garrett and with pick number one with Matt did. So now, Bill, you get to pick their number 12 selection.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, and I don't know if they even take this pick. They, they may trade it up or down, but in this draft they're picking 12, and I'm going to have them take OJ Howard, the tight end from Alabama. Terrific, you know. Matt's been talking about him for since about number eight here. Um, terrific value. You you leave this draft with Garrett and uh, and Howard, and you get two really foundation guys for you know up to the next decade, and and that can go a long way in changing changing things in Cleveland. And I just think he's a. Uh, not only a safe pick, but a dynamic pick
0: as well. Yeah, very very fun player to watch at Alabama. And we see the the tight end transition to what, what it's becoming in the NFL when you talk about these guys that are in that 6'3", 6'4", 235, 245-pound range that could really stretch the field and could really run. I think he has a new element to that Cleveland offense and, and can definitely spark that. Um, so we have the Cleveland Browns picking number one and number 12. Without a quarterback. We don't have them taking a the quarterback in the first round. Um, to you guys, according to you guys, we don't have them taking Trubisky at number one. I can
2: see them moving up, though, from number 33. You know, it, maybe – I think Oakland at 24 is a, excuse me, is a hot spot, a sweet spot. Four teams wanting to trade up because you got Houston at 25. You got Kansas City at 27. So I can – we'll maybe talk about that a little later. But I can see Cleveland moving back in.
0: I, I especially like not only not drafting a quarterback because I think Cleveland's a team that can't really lose sight of the big picture here. It's a team that needs to <laughs> needs to really bolster one of the most talent-poor rosters in the NFL, and then you go offense, you go defense. So you get, you get a player on each side of the ball, players that come from big schools, and players that you, that you kind of know what you're going to get, especially with O.J. Howard, too. You know, you know what role he's going to play in the offense, and a guy that really, really stood out at Alabama – um, so the Cleveland Browns, you have Miles Garrett, you have O.J. Howard going in the first round. A team that hasn't picked yet, the Arizona Cardinals. We know about their struggles last season, bottoming out in the NFC West and, and really struggling. Uh, had it not been for the 49ers, they, they may have been looking up uh, in the cellar of the NFC West. Uh, Arizona at number 13, who we have them taking at?
1: Yeah, I think there's some really attractive options here for the Cardinals. I think people out there know that I'm smitten with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I would – and, boy, that would be a perfect situation for him to learn. And I bet Arians would absolutely love him. I mean, I think that would be a great situation. Uh, I think Hassan Reddick would bring a lot to the second level of their defense, too. Gary and Conley could be an immediately starting corner that is desperately needed opposite Patrick Peterson. Um, I was torn between Mahomes – And Corey Davis, but I went with Corey Davis. You know that we always consider Arizona. Boy, they got a lot of receivers, and I think John Brown's due to to bounce back big. But I don't think Larry's going to be there much longer. I mean, that's not going out on a limb. I think he's the ideal role model for a guy like Davis, who can, I think, you know, take over the mantle in a year of the number one receiver. Still, somewhat of a win now move. You know, it's not you know throwing in your chips. He was just a year ago. This team was highly competitive. So, you know, there was four or five guys here I liked a lot. I went with Davis, who I'm very high on.
0: Yeah, Corey Davis uh, smashed records of plenty in Western Michigan, was arguably, if, if not undoubtedly, the best player in the group of five last season, and you see what he did. He crushed his competition under P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan, led his team to a MAC title here this past this past season, and, and really climbed to the draft boards and is in discussion now to perhaps top uh, Mike Williams as the number one receiver and he's got everything. He's got route running. He's fast. He can go up and get the ball, and I think that's a good pick for Arizona, a team that is secretly doesn't have a lot of weapons. We, th- we think they do, but they, they don't. And then they lose Michael Floyd in, you know, latter stages of last season. And like you said, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, as much as we'd love to watch him keep playing for another decade, he, he just can't do that. So that, that bolsters Arizona's wide receiver corps. Uh, we have the Philadelphia Eagles next on the clock. And Bill... You are
2: up, my friend. This is the first time I've had to deviate uh, on the fly a little bit. And um, I'm going to have them take Christian McCaffrey, running back Stanford. Some people may think it's high, some people may think it's low. Um, but I had them with Barnett. Um, the one guy that's on my board still is, is Redick. Um, I don't know if he's a great fit for the Eagles, certainly a hometown fit. Um, but I'm going to give the Eagles a back, and, and on my list going into this draft, I had McCaffrey going to Tampa Bay at 19, but I'm moving him up here.
0: It seems like McCaffrey's kind of got a wide spectrum on where he could be taken. Some people have him going as early as number 8 to the Panthers, and some have him stretching all the way into the early stages of the second round should it get there. Uh, right now, fun, a little fun trinket here. Christian McCaffrey's prop bet on his over-under draft selection is 12.5 half. So you would uh you would have the over here, Bill, going to the Eagles. Despite Westbrook saying that he doesn't think Christian McCaffrey would be a good fit for the Eagles, obviously you do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think it could be a nice fit for the quarterback, a nice little gift. Um, they got Jeffrey. I, I, I think it could. I, I think it could be a. I think he's going to be over drafted wherever he's going. Um, but I get that he brings so much to an offense. And he can play on four downs, you know, as a returner as well. Um, And I think he'd be a good fit for Philly. And I bet the home fans would enjoy that on draft night, as hosting the draft. So here's the thing about Brian Redskins. I don't think he's invited in the Eagles' (laughs) war room. So, you know, so I don't think that really matters.
0: He's (laughs) not going to get the... uh... The invitation with the ribbon on it. So,
2: right.
0: Yeah, uh, you talk about. I mean, Philadelphia's made no secret about it. they want to get more weapons for Carson Wentz. Um, and you get a guy that can can make waves on the offense. He can he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot, and he can return punts and be on special teams. So, uh, you get a well-rounded offensive player with pick number fourteen uh, and number fifteen. The Indianapolis Colts.
1: Yeah, I was highly intrigued with adding McCaffrey. You know, in the dome. Uh, have luck, manipulate him pre-snap, split him out wide, do a variety of things with him, make luck's life a little easier, shorter dump-off passes. But there was another guy, and that's Gary and Conley, that I thought was equal. So whoever Bill didn't take there, I was going to gladly take for the Colts. They need all the corner, actually they need all the defensive help they can absolutely get. Um, I think this guy is a plug-and-play guy, right off the bat, opposite Fonte Davis. He might actually have a strength on defense at corner, assuming he you know pans out. Um, he comes, you know, came out today that he's got himself in trouble for the exercise we're doing. I'm going to ignore that.
0: Yeah, Gary Ann Conley was a guy a few weeks ago that really trickled up draft boards to, and maybe not for you, Matt, because I know you do this for a living. But it was. Maybe, I know some people like
1: him more than Latimer is his, his teammate.
0: Exactly, and the uh, the original you know pecking order was that it was. It was Lattimore and it was Hooker, and those were the the tandem at Ohio State. And all of a sudden, Conley kind of came out of nowhere, where people started to finally jump on his coattails and and see what he had had to offer. But... Performed well on the big stage last season, picked off Deshaun Watson in the second play of the Fiesta Bowl, and like I said with Malik Hooker, had it not been for the other pieces in the secondary, you might you may have had that love come a little bit earlier. But nonetheless, he's he's risen up draft boards, and I think people love his athleticism. And like I said, just one of three Ohio State players that could be picked in the top you know 12, 13, 14 picks uh, for this draft. So on Conley goes to the Colts, a team that could use as much help in the secondary as they possibly can get. And from uh, one AFC team to the next, the Baltimore Ravens have picked number 16. And believe, Bill, that is you.
2: Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of adjusting my draft board again here. Um, I, I had them taking Ross, the receiver from Washington, the speech there. But Reddick is falling a little bit further than I thought he would. Um, he's a playmaking linebacker. I think Ozzy Newsom is the type of guy who is throughout his career has taken advantage of falling people on draft boards. Reddick would be a great value pick for the Ravens. I think he'd be a good fit. So Reddick from Temple is my pick for the Baltimore Ravens.
0: It seems every year that there's a guy that a majority of the general public doesn't know about who makes that leap into the first round, and to me, Hassan Reddick is that guy. Uh, disruptive, and he showed that you know he could play, and he showed coaches and scouts that he can make the jump from defensive end to linebacker. Which, you know he's projected to be at the next level, and it only helped once he put it on the map uh, at the Senior Bowl and a guy that really, really impressed you know the higher ups and showed that he could play there. Uh, another group of five guy to go in the first round. We have Corey Davis as well, but Hassan Reddick has really been put on the map um, and he's going to go number 16 to the Baltimore Ravens and pick number 17 is the Washington Redskins. And
1: yeah, I'm Bill like my guy, you know, that's who I wanted. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to bolster this, bolster this run defense. I don't see a defensive tackle type. That's worth it. Um, I would consider him a running back, but I think it's too early for Cook. Um, So I'm just going to take the best defensive player on the board, in my opinion, at a need position. Again, this is a double. This is a really safe pick and a guy that I think deserves more buzz than he's getting, and that's LSU's Tredavious White, You know that he would play opposite Norman, a guy like Breeland, then becomes a three. All of a sudden you've got yourself three really good corners, a nice situation to have. But I would have rather... You know, ball, you know, bolstered up that, that run defense a little bit.
0: Yeah, pairing Tredavious White with Josh Norman would be an intriguing defensive alignment for sure. And then you get a cover corner that could also serve as a punt return or should they need him. Uh, White returned a punt return back to the crib in each of the last three seasons at LSU. Um, a guy that could probably play in the slot right away and probably see that and can run step for step with receivers. So um, in that NFC East, you're going to need guys to cover the Odell Beckham Juniors, the Elshon Jeffries, and so on and so forth. So Washington lands a LSU product as you know the plethora of cornerbacks and second, or secondary members come out of LSU each and every season, uh, Tredavious White and Jamal Adams, two guys that come out of the Tigers program in round one. And that leads us to the Tennessee Titans with pick number 18. They picked at number five. Um, who are they going with at number 18, Bill?
2: Well, I think this falls well for them. Um, they, they get their corner at five. They need a receiver probably more than a corner, you know, but, again, there's no – the quarterback with the value at five. Uh, John Ross is sitting there at 18. I think they would gladly take him. Um, you know, a lot of people are enamored by that speed, rightfully so, and, and he's the pick and he's the toy for Marcus uh, so, you know, they follow up Vladimir at 5 with John Ross from Washington at 18.
0: John Ross proved that he was not a gimmick receiver and a guy that was just going to blow the top off of the secondary on a weekly basis. And, you know, you want to talk about a touchdown machine last season for an uber-efficient Washington team that had the likes of Jake Brown, at quarterback, and Dante Pettis. And John Ross really stood out, started gaining traction late in the season, and obviously he parlayed that with that 40-yard dash that just had scouts raving about him. Great route runner, a guy that can play in the slot. He can catch passes behind the line of scrimmage, and I think this is going to be a good pick for Tennessee, especially with Marcus Mariota making that leap last season and, and really proving that Tennessee could have somewhat of a lethal offense if they get things going there. So you have John Ross going to the Tennessee Titans, a team that... Is probably going to take a wide receiver at either number five if they want to reach for a guy like Mike Williams or number eighteen if they decide to go defense with number five. So they go John Ross at eighteen and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are next at number nineteen. And Matt, that is all you.
1: Yeah, and I would have loved to go on safety here. I just don't think the value's right. I mean Melifon moves really interesting. I'm not a Peppers believer, but I think it's just early for those guys. Really deep safety draft, too. I mean, I think I can get a high-quality guy in the second round, maybe even into the third round. Um, and I thought about a guy like Najoku, you know, and, and he's been rumored to be, uh, you know, the Bucks love him. And I know they're okay at tight end, but why not add another type of situation? I think he's a special talent. Um, if it were me, and, of course, this is a leap, and I'm not going to go this direction because I think it's a little too far-fetched, I'd take Joe Mixon. You know, I think Joe Mixon's a superstar. And if I was comfortable with the player, the person, and I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt, as I sit here, my lazy boy talking to you guys, that's who I would have taken. But instead, I'm going to take Dalvin Cook, and I think there's a really good chance that happens. I know Jameis Winston is lobbying heavy for his former teammate. I just wrote an article talking about, you know, landing spots for Cook and I think Washington, Tampa, are legit possibilities, Kansas City. But I'm not real confident in his character and injury situation either. I was a little bit of a bind. So I'm going with Cook, and we're going to make our quarterback happy.
0: Yeah, it makes sense definitely when you talk about location. He doesn't have to move too far there, uh, playing his college ball at Florida State alongside Jameis Winston. And the running back position is one that would certainly need to be bolstered for Tampa Bay, especially when you talk about Doug Martin and having to go through Peyton Barber. And that conundrum there, plus you have a Jameis Winston maturing, you have a a number one wide receiver in Mike Evans, they add Deshaun Jackson, so that offense could be fun, and adding Delvin Cook to the mix could make it even more fun. Uh, So that is going to be number 19, Delvin Cook, out of Florida State to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the clock at number 20, the Denver Broncos.
2: Well, I mean, they need need offensive line. That's obviously where it starts for them. In this draft, in this mock, all of the offensive linemen are available. Um, I'm going to go for a guy that's kind of quietly rising up, and I got a little inside information. I don't know if that's good or bad, (laughs) but um, I'm going to give them Lamp from Western Kentucky, a guy that you know is a guard can play can play uh, left tackle. Some teams project him as a left tackle. Some teams are saying he could be a top ten pick. I don't know about that, but he's the pick for the Denver Broncos. They have a lot of moving parts in their offensive line. I think they can kind of move, chest move these guys in camp when they see them, but he's a guy who has a big upside and some versatility.
0: Yeah, Forrest Lamp was, was a fun player to watch there in the Conference USA, and he virtually crushed his competition, both figuratively and literally, at Western Kentucky. and and was really a huge part to why Western Kentucky is so efficient last season in becoming one of the top offenses in the country. Can run block, can pass block, and it's not necessarily a deep offensive lineman uh, draft pool right now, especially in the first round. That's our first one to go. Uh, you also have Ryan Ramchak, Garrett Bowles, among a plethora of others that could possibly go, Cam Robinson. But Force Lamp, the number one offensive tackle to go uh, out of Western Kentucky. I mean, that's, that, that says a lot. It should say a lot. He's the, He would be the first Western Kentucky player to go in the first two rounds of the draft ever. So not only would that be big for him, but it would be big for the school. You have him going to the Denver Broncos at number 20. And now we have the playoff teams here, starting with the Detroit Lions at number 21 as we get into the bottom third of the draft. And, Matt, that is you.
1: Yeah, I like that lamp pick. He's my favorite of these offensive linemen. I could see a run of them happening now. There's a lot of teams that could use them. Um, the Lions aren't one of them, though. I mean, they're in good shape up front on offense. There's been talk that they might add a weapon here, a Najoku, somebody like that. I just think this defense is so talent-starved right now that, especially at linebacker, you know, the Levy is now out of the picture. I'm taking Jared Davis from Florida, you know, an every-down, very active, highly athletic, rangy guys, I think could be the, the face of that defense, and that's something they really need.
0: Gerard Davis, another another fun prospect and what he brings, considering you look at during the season, it was the Tees Tabor and Marcus May, Caleb Brantley, all those guys were climbing, and sure enough, here comes Gerard Davis, a very fun guy, like I said, with like the Derek Barnett, the high-motor kind of guy that can really, really bolster a Detroit Lions front seven. Uh, so you have Gerard Davis going to the Detroit Lions at number 21 out of Florida. And speaking of Florida, let's stick with Miami. We have the Dolphins picking at number 22. Bill, that is all you.
2: You know, there's some good defensive players out there on the board, um, but I, I think the Dolphins are going to stick with their biggest need of, offensive line. And, again, there's there's not a lot of offensive linemen to get, so you got to get them when, when you can. And I think the Dolphins would be very happy to get Garrett. Uh, Garrett Bowles of Utah, um, pretty decent value at 22, so that's the pick for me.
0: Probably, in my opinion, uh, the most athletic uh, lineman in the draft. I mean, he showed that you don't have to be exactly huge to play a position. you guy's 6'4", 295, but a guy that really, really impressed at the combine with a 9-foot, 8-inch broad jump, and he ran a 496, so... Um, you know, maybe you don't need to be a six-foot-six, 330-pound lineman to make a living here. So Garrett Bowles, the second lineman to go. He follows suit after Forrest Lamp. Got picked two picks ago, so maybe we could see the domino effect there starting in the, in the latter stages of the first round. But Miami Dolphins take an offensive lineman. And Garrett Bowles at number 22. At number 23, we have the New York Giants and
1: Matt all you. Yeah, and they certainly could use a tackle as well. You know, Ramchek sitting there, Cam Robinson sitting there. um, Both those would be highly attractive options. I'm just going to take Njoku, though, because I think their tight end situation is problematic. You know, you go back to the Green Bay offense, they want a Finley, a Cook, a Bennett. The Giants have not had that. Um, You add Marshall and Njoku to that passing game, I think it could go a long way. Uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, though, that I get some sort of offensive lineman in the second round that can help me. That may or may not happen. I just think Njoku is clearly a better prospect than Ramchek or Robinson.
0: Sure, yeah, and we all know that the, uh, the New York Giants struggled there, you know, getting any sort of rhythm on offense and letting routes develop for Eli Manning with how porous the offensive line was last season. But you get a, a scary weapon in David Njoku, and a guy that our draft analysts at Fanneryx Sports have really fallen in love with. He's only 20 years old, 6'4", 247, probably a guy that I would not want to see down a dark alley uh, at midnight. So uh, they add another weapon to an already chalked weaponry. You get Brandon Marshall, you have Odell Beckham, and then you add David and to that list. So let's go to number 24 here. Bill, the Oakland Raiders, you know a thing or two about this team. <laughs> so who are they taking with pick number 24?
2: Yeah, you know, and the way this staff falls out for them, it's not great. Um, They need defensive tackles. Well, there's no perfect defensive tackles for them at 24. Um, Jared Davis, when he went mad a couple of picks ago, I think there would be a lot of tears in the Raiders' war room. Um, They want a linebacker. It's kind of a dead spot now for them. Um, They can maybe think about a T.J. Watt. But here, I think, I think they'd in this case, I think they'd really try to trade. Say the trade doesn't work out, they're on the clock. I'm going to give them Jabril Pappers from Michigan and, and not feel great about it, but hope let's get him into our program. We took Carl Joseph last year. If he could play a little linebacker, that's great. Um, he's a playmaker. We need playmakers on defense. Let's figure it out. Reggie Nelson is not going to be around forever, maybe just another year. They take Peppers in this exercise, don't feel great about it, but feel good at least he's a playmaker on defense.
0: Jabril Peppers, chock full of athleticism, played all over the field at his tenure at Michigan, returned punts, played in the the quote-unquote wildcat or the wild wolverine, if if you want to call it that, Took, took jet sweeps lined up on the outside and all while serving as the cog to Don Brown's defense last season, a defense that really wasn't predicated on, you know, getting interceptions. And and while Jabril only had one interception over his career at Michigan, that's the one thing that it seems like people are kind of knocking him for that. And the fact that he's kind of a tweener, you don't know if he's going to play the safety position or if he's going to be a nickelback slash Rover. Uh, some people say that he's going to play that Dale Buchanan role on a defense, but it seems like Jabril here can go anywhere from you know the late first round and he could fall with this dilute sample that just you know another another knock to his resume uh if you must so um the Raiders get a playmaker like you said Bill and a defense I'd probably love to have him there you know He's one of the more interesting case studies as well because we don't exactly know what we're going to get from Jabril Peppers, and it's kind of exciting to see what's going to transpire with him at the next level. Nonetheless, they get a safety-slash-linebacker-slash-Swiss Army knife with Jabril Peppers. Uh, Moving on to the NFC now, we got the the Seattle Seahawks picking here at number 25. And, Matt, that's you. I think we skipped Houston here, didn't we?
2: Did we? Houston's 25,
0: yeah. That is on me, then.
1: We, we, all right, all they right. Will, they will let, for
0: the Texans here. They will not skip the Houston Texans
1: in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> a very Al Davis-like pick there by uh, Billy Willie uh, for his Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I think he would approve. Um, Houston is thrilled. I mean, not only is Rand—I look at the Texans and say they have to get a quality guard tackle, preferably a tackle, somewhere in this draft— And I think quarterback is of the utmost importance. And not only is my favorite quarterback still on the board in Mahomes, but it's a very different type of guy than what they've had there. Savage can hold down the fort in the short term. Uh, I think they run to the podium for Mahomes and hope there's some o line help there in round two.
0: I know I'm playing moderator here, but I will say that this this is probably my favorite pick in the draft uh, so far, Matt. And when you talk about based on need, fit, Uh, location even, too. I mean, you're going to sell tickets up the Wahoo here, having an in-state product, playing in Houston. And, you know, I'm just going to throw everything out there that you guys already know, but huge arm, a guy that's looking to buck the trend of air raid quarterbacks that have essentially failed in the NFL, but uh, a fun prospect, nonetheless, and a guy that's really been the trendy pick here uh, when it comes to quarterbacks in the first round. But Patrick Mahomes, tall guy, oozes confidence, and Just really one of the more fun players to watch, and he was fun to watch in a Texas Tech offense over his career in Lubbock. So there is quarterback uh, to the Texans uh, at number 25. And now we'll get to my pick, which I prematurely uh, came (laughs) on the scene with, the Seattle Seahawks at number 26.
2: Yeah, I think Seahawks would be very happy to see, you know, one quality offensive lineman. They got two in Ramchak and Cam Robinson. And I'm going to give them Ramchak, Ryan Ramchak, the, the tackle from Wisconsin, played one year of Big Ten football, did really well, and he'll help a desperate Seattle offensive line, yeah, Ryan Ramchak.
0: Ryan Ramchak, former D3 guy that came into Wisconsin and really just kind of fit into that pipeline of Badger offensive linemen that have their way with, uh, with opposing defensive linemen. And you want to talk about Russell Wilson being a mobile quarterback? Well, Russell Wilson last year was running for his life. Um, so this is this is a good pick for Seattle and Pete Carroll, and uh, they're going to get a guy that that made work of his competition last season the Big Ten. Uh, so Ryan Ramchak goes off the board uh, at twenty-six, and we're going to go across the country now to Kansas City with pick number twenty-seven.
1: Yeah, and there's not a fit here that I love. You know that personally i might take kaiser here i mean if it was me if i was a gm of the chiefs i'm not going to go that direction for this exercise just cuz i don't think it's highly likely and i'm not a, a believer in deshaun watson so i'm not taking him um, they they could use a guard you know maybe you could stick cam robinson in as guard and really make a strong offensive line um, i think if cook were still available that would be an option but I don't think you can go mixing, even though they just took Tyreek Hill last year. I mean, I think he could end up a chief, but just not in round one. So I'm a little stumped. So I would love to take an inside linebacker, you know, but my man Davis from Florida just went. Um, So when in doubt, you know, I'm going to take a corner. Um, Marlon Humphrey and Kevin King are available. Uh, I'm going to go with King. You know, they used to have Sean Smith. They put a premium on size at the corner position put King opposite Peters um, you, you could really do you know they play a lot of man coverage they play with a lot of defensive backs on the field. It's not exactly how I would have you know played out I wanted it to play out but best I can do.
0: yeah Kevin King kind of kind of fits that mold in the Washington secondary similar to what we saw with Ohio State and having that trio. Uh, and kind of having to divvy up the spotlight there. When we talk about Washington's secondary last season with Sidney Jones and Buddha Baker, Kevin King kind of kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. But teams are starting to see how good he is, and it only helped when he you know made waves at the combine. And a lot of people are comparing him to Byron Jones and what he did at the combine and really just impressed with, the, with his athleticism. Um, obviously, being in the Kansas City organization and being a defensive back isn't exactly the, uh, the worst scenario in the world. So Kevin King adds to an already great secondary. The rich get richer there, uh, which leads us to the last five picks in the draft. Now, guys, we're at pick number 27, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 28, 28, 28 with the Dallas Cowboys, and Bill, you get to uh, to make the pick for a, "quote unquote" America's team.
2: Yeah, you know, I I wrote a story for today saying you know the Dallas Cowboys are in really good shape because they need a lot of defensive help, and at twenty-eight is actually a pretty nice spot for defense, and they're gonna they're not gonna have to panic, they're not gonna have to overdraft, they're not gonna have to draft up, and this exercise is kind of showing that. I mean, I'm having Dallas. Choosing between Taco Charlton, McKinley from UCLA, and TJ Watt. And um, TJ Watt was my original pick here, but I got the other guy. I got McKinley rated higher. I'm going to have McKinley from UCLA, pass rusher, that can really come in and make an impact for the Cowboys at 28.
0: Yeah, and this, this goes back to Jerry Jones and what he wants, and he hasn't shied away from talking about wanting to bolster the defensive line. He, he said he wanted a quote-unquote war daddy. <laughs> Whatever that means, he wants it, and he wants a guy immediately that can come in and really just wreak havoc on opposing quarterbacks. And Tack McKinley is a guy that whenever he gets on the field is going to give 100%. He's a guy that doesn't take plays off. Uh, he is coming off of an injury, uh, a post combine shoulder injury, but you know he just he fits that mold of the of the edge guy that has burst, and I think he would fit in well uh, with Dallas's defensive scheme there. So we have t- t- uh, Takaris McKinley out of UCLA going to the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, the Cowboys, who were ousted by the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs, they have the next pick uh, up in Green Bay. So Matt, you have the Packers taking who?
1: Yeah, um, you know, there's a couple guys on the board, and no matter how you do a mock draft, it's always going to end up this way, but I have a hunch, you know, Cam Robinson, Charles Harris, a Dory Jackson, who I'm hearing an awful lot of buzz about right now, would all probably be gone at this point, but it's not like I can fault any of the picks that one of us have made. I mean, people are going to fall. It's just the nature of the beast. So I'm looking at Green Bay going, there's some good players here, and uh, Jackson is highly... You know, athletic. He's a great returner. Corner's is a major need. We saw the, how you know the guys they were playing with at the end of the year. But I'm going Marlon Humphrey. You know, they just tend to put more stock in bigger, physical corners. Uh, Humphrey's about as physical of a tackler and nasty corner that I've seen. And, and, and you know, he comes in with NFL bloodlines. He needs to do a better ball job of tracking the ball downfield, and he's allowed too many big plays. But, boy, there's a lot of ability for there for them to mold.
0: Yeah, and Green Bay went through a revolving door of, uh, of secondary pieces last season. Marlon Humphrey, one of the younger players in the draft. He's only 20. Um, and you'd pair him in a secondary with, uh, with Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. Also an Alabama product. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, a guy oozing with potential and probably has a high ceiling going towards the next level. Made waves last season in an Alabama secondary. That was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, one of the best units to watch uh, on TV as well. Um looking forward to next season where Mika Fitzpatrick could be the potential number one guy to go uh, in terms of defensive and and secondary guys next season. So Marlon Humphrey falls all the way to 28 uh, for the, the, uh, I'm sorry, 29 to the Green Bay Packers. And we have the final three picks here, beginning with the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 30. Big Ben is coming back as if he wasn't. Bill, who do you have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking with their first pick at number 30?
2: Yeah, I think when you think of the Steelers, you think first defensive pass rusher. There's some good ones here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give him Taco Charlton. Um, maybe over Harris and T.J. Watt, but I think Charlton could be a good fit for them, and uh, that's the choice.
0: Okay. Yeah, it seemed like everybody that had Taco Charlton as a potential top ten or twelfth pick. Um, it came responded with people who said that this guy is overrated. Uh, you know, he hasn't exactly fit into his body yet, isn't exactly polished. And while he is raw, you're talking about a guy who is 6'5", 6'6", and 270 that can move. Uh, so Pittsburgh gets a edge guy and a guy that could potentially make life a uh, living hell for opposing quarterbacks in the NFC North. Uh, so Taco Charlton goes number 30 out of Michigan to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And our final two picks nfc south representatives we have the atlanta falcons the super bowl runner-ups at number 31 matt this is your pick
1: yeah and it was actually just announced while we were recording this that martavis bryant has been reinstated for the steelers has a chance to be a really nasty offense if they can keep all those guys healthy i'll be down at the facility we're you know doing draft coverage on thursday and sunday but it brings us to the falcons the uh Almost champions, as close about as you can get to being Super Bowl champions without actually getting there. I think the number one goal of this draft for that team is to find a starting guard. That's the only hole on the offense to me. But there's just so many pass rushers here, I need to take one. That I'm, I'm looking at Watt. I'm looking at Charles Harris. I'm going to go with Harris. You know, I think Harris is a little more ready right this second, quite a bit more ready. You know, and our window is now, you know, we're a Super Bowl team, we want to get back there. Put Harris and Beasley coming off the edge together, I like a lot.
0: Yeah, that could potentially be a nightmare for opposing offenses. Yeah, Charles Harris, an aggressive pass rusher, and probably would have been put on the map more had Missouri uh, not had the uh, most unideal uh, season last last year. You talk about a team that was in the SEC championship a few years ago, but has really, really uh, dipped in the SEC pecking order. So Charles Harris goes number 31, another edge guy uh, at number 31, and the, the first round of the NFL draft will round out with the New Orleans Saints who had the pick earlier in the draft. Uh, they get their second one here with the last pick, and Bill, that's you.
2: And Matt, you had them taking Barnett at 11, correct? Right, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I think this ends with a, gr- a great day for for New Orleans, and they take a Dory Jackson uh, from USC who you mentioned a couple times during this mock. You get the pass rusher, you get the defensive back, um, you you don't trade for uh, Butler, Malcolm Butler, and you know that's that's your return for uh, Cook, and I think this would be a really good night for the New Orleans Saints.
0: Yeah, not much more to say about Adoree Jackson. He kind of fits that Jabril Peppers mold in terms of being the Swiss Army knife and the guy that can really do it all. And though he may not have that polished, uh, you know, secondary look, he can do a lot for a team. And I think New Orleans would love to have Adoree Jackson. That's going to conclude the
1: first round. Real well, quick, guys. A Dory Jackson, if he went to, the, I think that the Saints would do cartwheels to get him that late. And I wouldn't be shocked if Sean Payton lined him up as a Devry Henderson type, too, once in a while and threw him bombs. I mean, that got him mean. in the dome with the ball in his hands.
0: That would be fun. That would be fun for sure. And, uh, guys, that's, that's going to complete the first round. What really stood out? Bill, we'll start with you. If any takeaways from the first round? We, we didn't see Deshaun Watson go. Uh, were there any surprises or anything that played out that really, really catch your interest?
2: You know, I guess mean, I just, just the dominance of defense and, and the, the real, you know, emphasis on defense. Uh, yeah, T.J. Watt uh, is still out there in, in the second round, and I think Tim Williams and some other pass rushers. Um, the fact that this, this draft ran really well for teams at the end, like Dallas and Pittsburgh and, and New Orleans, in most years, those teams picking 28, 30, 32 really don't end up with ideal situations. But this draft is so deep, we saw
1: that happen. Matt, how about yourself? Yeah, real good points. And I do think that it is kind of a sweet spot near the end of the end of the first round that matches up with team needs, like you said. You know, Dallas and Pittsburgh come to mind. Um, the one thing, and again, this isn't being critical of Bill or myself, I just think when the real thing happens on Thursday – offensive linemen will get picked higher. You know, there's such a premium, there's not enough good ones to go around, and if we had the ability to trade, that might have you know, made that a little more feasible. You know, a team like Cincinnati trades back five spots, and then they take Lamp, you know, something like that. Um, but I, I bet that the demand for offensive linemen will be greater than what we reflected here today. Even though took, there's so much
2: depth at defense and the offensive linemen may be overdrafted, because, you know, as far as value
1: goes? Yes. I mean, I absolutely think so. And I think you'll see that even more so second and third rounds, you know, where – and I even wrote this, that, I mean, uh, that if teams have a fourth-round grade on an offensive lineman, they might have to take him in the end of round two. You know, I think they're going to go off the board like crazy. Um, You know, maybe it starts slow, but when you start getting that second round looking for starters, there aren't many.
0: Absolutely, well, that is going to conclude the mock draft from our pretend GMs, Matt Williamson. You can follow him on Twitter at mwilliamsonNFL, and of course, uh, Bill Williamson at bwilliamsonNFL. But guys, thanks so much for uh, for the picks and the insight. And we uh, we have the draft here coming in about 48 hours, so. All the uh, We put all the narratives to rest and, and let the GMs and the front offices uh, make the ultimate decision this weekend. But thanks so much for, for everything and the insight, guys, and best of luck with your team, your teams,
2: your insights, your draft boards. Godspeed, my friends. Thanks. We'll be back next week.